this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. Derek Howard. Comic Book Noise can be found at comicbooknoise.com and it's part of the Deliberate Noise Network. For more details, please go to deliberatenoise.com. And you know what? I forgot to check to see if Deliberate Noise Network.com is up because that's where you can get all the uh, archives for the uh, shows that are no longer with us. Um, of course, for the shows that are still with us. If you want to go back more than 100 episodes, because I'm almost positive I have most of the shows capped off at 100 episodes in the RSS feed, you can always go to the individual websites. <clears throat> Excuse me. Go to the individual websites to go through their archives. You know? So if you really want to hear uh, DC Noise from the very beginning, you can. <laughs> or Marvel Noise from the very beginning, you can. Or any comic book noise, you can. Or even uh, Deliberate Noise, uh, was it Deliberate Noise Special Editions comic book version or something like that? I forgot what it was originally called. You can if you really wanted to. And it just occurred to me that the original hosts of uh, DC Noise, Marvel Noise, and Indie Comic Noise have all been replaced. Anyway, I thought it was fun. Um, if you'd like to send feedback, you can email me. My email address is Derek, that's D-E-R-E-K, at comicbooknoise.com. Or you can call the audio comment line at 734-331-0772. I am currently driving, and this is always fun, you know that. Anyway, um, if you'd like to give a donation to the ongoing upkeep for this podcast, please go to comicbooknoise.com and you will see a uh, link on the right hand side of the webpage where you can uh, donate either through PayPal, Patreon, or through Authonic Minutes. And if you become a uh, patron of the show, you will be in fine company such as these fine young gentlemen who are on this piece of paper that I found. It was really weird because, um, anyway, I thought I, I thought I folded it differently, so there was like a long. Never mind. Just I found my paper, and so I can thank the patrons of the show, such as Dave Slusher of the Evil Genius Chronicles, Bruce Rosenberger, Vicious Smith, Martin Ferretti. Rick Hansen, James Johnson, Ken Kennedy, Chris Ivey, Edward L. Moore Jr., Dave Levine, Ken Mora, and Frankie DeJesus. So thank you, gentlemen, one and all. I really appreciate it. Um, oh yeah. And of course, thank you to Mike Myers for his PayPal donations. Anyway, um, 
this time last year, I was at Heroes Con. This year, I am not at Heroes Con. Next year, I hope to be at Heroes Con. Um, if I get a car, I will probably go. I might just drive down, you know. Um, yeah. I'll see if there's anybody else from this area who's going down and see if they want to share driving duties. Anyway, um, however, I'm not <clears throat> there. I've been uh, catching up on my comic books. Um, in fact, I just finished two things. I finished getting caught up on uh, Aquaman and also finished the trade for Strange Adventures. It came on uh, 20, 2008, 2009, something like that. It's uh, Jim Starlin, and um, yeah, I will probably talk about that at a later date. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a new policy and that I'm going to try to implement. Instead of screaming and hollering at the idiot drivers ahead of me, I'm just going to laugh. So every time you laugh, just realize that I'm doing that to keep from road raging, Okay. Anyway, um, Aquaman. When Aquaman, you know, I've, I've been reading Aquaman since it came back, you know, uh, with the new 52. It, it was one of those uh, books, it was one of those ones that I uh, wanted to get from the beginning. It was one of those ones that I, I actually thought this was going to be the breakthrough for um, for Aquaman. You know, they had um, Jeff Johns on the book. I thought that he was going, you know, his... Uh, star power alone was going to bring people to the book, just like it did when he uh, took over Flash and JSA and uh, he let people actually care about Hawkman um, and uh, uh, Green Lantern, you know, and I thought okay this means that uh, Aquaman will probably be a, a top book for DC and it never really happened you know, um I've, I enjoyed it, but then again, I enjoyed most of the uh, Aquaman series um, and the books and storylines have come out. Um, there are certain things that I wish they would do different. You know, I mean, I've said it in the beginning. This is about a king named Arthur. There's a bunch of stuff you can do there, a bunch of, um, of, of what allegories you could tell, a bunch of adventures he could have, you know what I mean? Earth is what seventy percent water or some craziness like that. I don't even know. Um, I'm not a, a geologist. Uh, no shit. <laughs> a geographer, cartographer, whatever. I'm not a guy who studies the planet, obviously. Um, but I think just telling the same stories over and over again, where you know somebody decides that they are going to try to take over. Um, Atlantis wanted to be foiled by um, by Arthur, you know, or a villain from his rogues gallery is coming back to get revenge, you know, or somebody is uh, digging around near Atlantis and they upset a monster or an old 
God or something like that. You know, I mean, those are the same type of stories that they were telling in between him being a superhero with um, the Justice League. You know, I mean, those are two stories. Oh, yes, and plus there's the the ever popular Arthur torn between his duties with the Justice League and his duties as a king. You know, I mean, how many times have we seen that story, right? But, you know, it's the same stories over and over again. Um, Just like most stories of of any superhero, after a long time, it gets to be repetitive, you know? Um, And I like stories that will take these familiar characters and do something different with them, you know? That's why I really liked um, Brian Azzarello's uh, Wonder Woman, you know? I mean, you had some really good people on Wonder Woman before, but Wonder Woman was always seen as a mythological-based superhero. And when Azarello took over, he put the, emph- the emphasis on um, mythological, you know. She was not a mythological-based superhero, but she was a mythological creature who happened to also be a superhero sometimes, you know. And I like that approach, and I was really hoping that um, Red Johns and, and Jeff Parker and Dan Jurgens they would do something like that with Aquaman. But, you know, they didn't. Um, oh, shit, was it? Cullen Bunn took over for, for a while, too, I believe. And I know I'm missing at least one more writer, and I apologize. I just cannot think of it right now. Um, but these guys all did a good job with Aquaman because, you know, it's like, okay, these are the stories we're going to tell. So, like, okay, tell those stories, you know. it's It always seemed to me like they knew they couldn't make too many drastic changes because he's a member of the Justice League. Um, Now, let's face it, those characters never really have any kind of uh, lasting change Um, or even a change that seems to be permanent but will go back in... 10 or 15 years, um, like, uh, over at, at, over at uh, X-Men, when you have Beast, right, I mean, they, they took a character created by, uh, Stan Lee and, um, Jack Kirby, and they completely changed him, right, and then when you got used to the, to the, to the furry Beast, they changed him again to, like, this cat hybrid thing, you know, but that was a that's drastically different from the days that he first came out. Same thing with Angel and being Archangel, you know. Um, but if you're a member of the Justice League, that's not going to happen for you, you know. Um, they may do that with uh, I hate to say lower level characters, but yeah, you know. Look at a uh, Blue Beetle, right? Um, they changed him a bunch of times, you know, uh, but they can do that because let's face it, Blue Beetle is not Aquaman, and as many jokes as they want to make about Aquaman, Aquaman has not only been part of the Justice League for most of his creation, he's also consistently been a part of their, um, their animated universe since, you know, what, the 60s? So it's like, yeah, 
yeah, you can make all the Aquaman jokes you want, you know, talking to the fishes and all that kind of stuff. Um, <coughs> but he's Aquaman, so there's only so much. There's only so much change they're gonna be. They're gonna allow people to make. You know, it's not like when um, when uh, Alan Moore took over Swamp Thing or Grant Morrison took over um, Doom Patrol. And then again, when he took over, um, I shouldn't say, when he took over Animal Man, and then again, when he took over Doom Patrol, right? Um, even somebody such as Johns wasn't going to be able to make that. Peter David, that's who I was forgetting. No, Peter David didn't write on this one. Shit. No, he wrote on the, on the one before that. No, it was Rick Veach. He wrote on the one before that. Anyway, so yeah, Peter David was able to have a a long time change when he had uh, Aquaman's hand bitten off, but since then nobody else has been able to do that, it's all been basically um, superhero stories, even when he was going up against um, mythological creatures or or interdimensional um, invasions it was always seen as he's a superhero and he will end up saving the day now you have um, Dan Abnett on the book, who, you know, I always thought that he, you know, his, his writing partner, it was always Abnett and Lanning, you know, Lanning and, and it was always Abnett and Lanning because it was alphabetical order, right? <clears throat> but these guys were the ones that, at least as far as I remember, they're the ones who really uh, rejuvenated um, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm really sure how Bendis got credit for that, <laughs> you know, because I thought that they were the ones who, uh, you know, around the time that they were doing um, Annihilation, that's when they brought the Guardians of the Galaxy back with this whole new lineup, the lineup that we all know now. And then much later, Bendis uh, added people like uh, Captain Marvel and um, Iron Man. I have to look that up. I'm almost positive. But anyway, I knew these guys. I heard these guys' names originally from uh, Resurrection Man, um, which was a character that I don't really know what DC had, had it plans for. If they had any kind of long-term plans, you know, um, it was kind of like you know, firearm or uh, or anima. Right? Just like. <clears throat> Here's some uh, characters we're gonna create. You know, uh, <clears throat> we're gonna have like Kronos had his own book. You know, stuff like that. Our man. You know, it's like, hey, we're gonna take all this this pasta. We don't know if it's cooked or not. We're gonna throw it against the wall. Whatever sticks is the good stuff. You know. Um, but even though I liked. Uh, Resurrection Man, I never really knew what they wanted to do with him, you know, and then they had like Resurrection Man, uh, one million, or I think he was teaming up with John John's Martian Manhunter or something like that, it was just weird, you know, it's like, okay, here's this character who cannot die, every time he does die, he comes back with a superpower, um, I don't think that they really had any kind of long-term plans for him, 
Um, I'm from from an editorial point of view. I think that the writers probably had long term plans for him, but I don't think that you know editorial really had much for him beyond his own book. Um, case in point, you really haven't seen him make a whole lot of appearances since then, and when he does, it's more of a gimmick, or he's like, uh, oh god, I'm trying to remember which one it was where. He was like the only one who could do something because, you know, he could die and come back, you know, stuff like that. Um, but that's what I remember from him. And in fact, I have like two books of the, uh, the new 52 resurrection man to read. Cause I only read like the first issue because for all the new 52 books, I read the first issue and I didn't go back for most of them, but I have uh, a couple trades that I will be reading pretty soon. However, um, when he took over, uh, when Abnett took over, it was by himself. He didn't have any landing with him, which, you know, like I said, was just kind of weird because I always thought these guys were, you know, a duo. Um, and I wonder which one through which through the uh, plate glass window and the uh, barbershop, you know. Uh, although right now it looks like Abnett. Very obscure reference. That maybe 75% of you won't get, so I'm just going to keep moving on. Anyway, um, so when he took over, I didn't know which direction he was going to go in, right? I didn't know if he was going to be more superhero, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy type, try to add a bit of uh, humor, inject a bit of hum- humor back into the book, or if he was going to go um dark and gritty resurrection man style you know um because that's one thing about resurrection man it was a dark book what i mean dark i don't mean like uh, necessarily subject matter although when you have a character whose um power is based around death uh that's gonna be dark but i mean it was like visually very dark um a lot of ink was used when printing those books you know Anyway, um, so I didn't know which direction he was going to go in, uh, and then he, it looked like, okay, he, he had somebody, oh yeah, by the way, spoilers, um, he had somebody who I don't recall ever being a character before, I could be wrong, um, who came in and took the throne of Atlantis, you know, I mean, he, he didn't just like, Ocean Master and shit where, you know, Ocean Master or uh, Black Manor will sit on the throne for like an issue or two, you know, before the people rise up. No, I mean, he took the the throne. He took the crown. He was the, you know, the, the guys who were in charge of protecting the, the throne were protecting him. They had turned against Arthur because this guy had a, a, a more legitimate uh, claim shall we say and uh, Arthur got his ass whooped Arthur looked like he was dead of course he wasn't dead because the book wasn't cancelled but you know that's what it was and um, I thought that once again it was just going to be another okay you know Aquaman superheroes his way out of it and saves the day once again right but then he did something really weird. He, be, he took the Aquaman um, and made him sort of like 
of a vigilante. You know, he, he survived the assassination attempt and he was fighting against the king's forces, but he was doing it in the shadows. He was doing what things that he picked up from Batman, you know. I thought, okay, this is a bit of a twist to look. But you know, the books for all my books just kept piling up, piling up, piling up. And so I finally got to read like seven issues. I don't know if that's three months or that's like half a year, but I'm thinking it's closer to three months. And I think they just had like multiple shipments. But as I'm reading it, I'm not picking up a superhero vibe, right? Um, Legion of Superheroes used to do that a lot where everybody would be after the Legion. You know, the Legion would be wanted, you know. Um, you know, they have to go hide up, hide through different time because somebody was after them, you know. Or they were in prison, right? The prison of the superheroes. Uh, no, this wasn't like that where, you know, the superhero was the, the fugitive. This was different, you know. And I was picking up a, a bigger vibe on how Abnett was telling the story. Wasn't telling the story from the view of the superhero, right? Or the villains looking for the superhero. He was also telling these other threads, these other characters, had their their lives, and you know, you had guys coming back who you thought were bad guys. And it's just like, as I'm reading it, and I'm getting really into it, I'm thinking to myself, shit, this is like Game of Thrones. You know, and there's so many superhero things that, that people want to be like Game of Thrones, right? People keep saying, and I read this multiple times from multiple sources. That's why I feel comfortable on saying people. Um, but they keep saying, you know, uh, you can bring back uh, uh, the new gods, but just make it more like a, a Game of Thrones thing, right? And it's like, eh, you know, not everything needs to be Game of Thrones, right? There's a, a, a book from... Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Mark Millar, where he was talking about Jupiter's legacy, and somebody said that it was going to be, you know, more expansive. It was going to be more like um, Game of Thrones with superheroes. At least that's what I I read. I didn't get that impression. I uh, somebody even said that they were going to make a book that was basically Game of Thrones with spies. You know, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, right? And, you know, I read some of these things. In fact, I'm still actually reading the, the Game of Thrones book. Um, not just the whole series, but that particular book. Um, and this is the first time I actually got the feeling of, uh, of something worthy being compared to Game of Thrones. Because most of the time when they're telling a big story and they want it to be Game of Thrones-like... Basically, what they mean is we're going to have a lot of characters and we're going to have a lot of um, storylines that seem to have nothing to do with each other that are going to overlap eventually, right? This one, there's a lot of political intrigue going on in the background, but it's not like boring-ass political intrigue. This is one that's just basically saying, hey, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's going to happen. Um... And they're, they're, they're just telling a really good, thrilling story, you know? It's uh, thrilling, there's a lot of action, but the action doesn't, like, overshadow everything else, you know? That's one thing 
with a lot of superhero books because they feel as though, hey, we've got to have a lot of action. Um, a lot of times, action just like you know, it was like, hey, we need action. Therefore, even though this particular scene doesn't really require any action, we're just gonna throw some in there anyway. You know, this this title doesn't need it, but it's gonna get it. Um, Aquaman doesn't do that. It's it's telling the story, it's telling a very well thought out story. Um, it's not just a bunch of characters thrown on a page. These characters all have like motivations of what they want, things, why they want them. There's a bunch of deals being made. I mean, it's just like a really, really good book. And I recommend it. At least the last, uh, I'd say 12 or so issues. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's starting to ramp up towards the end of the story, you know? And there's a big twist along the way. So, yep. I recommend it. I like it. Um, it's Aquaman. Um, yeah, but right now I'm at work, so I'm done making a lot of noise. <laughs> a lot of comic book noise. Take it easy. Oh, my God.